Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to The First Cut. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined tonight by Kyle Porter and Mark Immelman. And, and the American Express is concluded here on Sunday night, and what a tournament it was. For a while there, it looked like this tournament was over. Andrew Landry had a six-shot lead at one point over Scotty Scheffler, and then all of a sudden, Abraham Answer makes birdie on 17, and the tournament is tied. Kyle, how many times did you have to rewrite your story here tonight? Well, I actually, I was not writing tonight. Here, here's what happened to me, Greg. I was, I was kind of flipping back and forth. I had the weekend off from writing and I was flipping, flipping back and forth between the Chiefs, uh, Titans and, and the golf. And I was, I, as soon as Landry got to like 27, I was like, whatever, I'm going to watch the football. And then I flip back and I'm like, wait a sec. So I had to rewind, watch, see what happened. It was a, uh, you know, and, and, and this happens so many times on the PGA tour. It looks like it's going to be a route. And then it's not. Things just kind of kind of flip flop back and forth. It's just, you know, we say it all the time. It's so difficult to win, even when you're up three, four, five shots on the back nine on a on a Sunday. Now, uh, Mark, you, you hear we hear this all the time. It's really difficult to win. Do you think from Andrew Landry this was a case of it's difficult to win, or do you think this is just he's going to make three bogeys at some point, and they just happen to be at that point in the tournament? Hey, listen, Greg. More importantly, can we first talk about the massive bogey that I made in our one and done league uh, uh, this week? Oh man, good grief! I mean, yeah, I, I picked Ben on. I'm all confident about this. I was vacillating with Sung JM, and Scotty Scheffler was sort of tickling my fancy, but. I'm thinking, okay, Texas down the road is a good idea. So Arne gets out there with five straight birdies, and I'm like, go, boy. <laughs> Next thing, <laughs> he's got Sunday off, so I officially hate one and done already, and we're barely into uh, January. Yeah, um, you I thought you were, the, you were touting yourself as like the one and done king. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to make up some ground now. <laughs> I mean, I almost thought about taking Ben on, too, after you did. I mean, with your record and all, but, but I'm but, glad but, I didn't. But you know what? In the, in, in the vein of one and done, Kyle, shut up. In the in the vein of one and done, and and watching Andrew Landry, it's now proven to me that anything can happen. I mean, because this is a guy he missed uh, what seven of eight cuts coming into this event. Yeah, it was some yeah and five in a row. Uh huh. And then and and his average score, looking through those numbers, was about seventy one, which is doing you no favors in the desert. But he comes to a place where he's comfortable. He's been in a playoff there with John Rahm before, and 26 under par later, he, he he's the winner. And 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 for me, you bring up a good question. You know, he had he, he came in trailing Scheffler. Scheffler spilled the lead early with a bogey, but you know, Landry did what he needed to do. Um, he made a few birdies starting out in the front side, three and turned three under, and then went on a tear there, 10, 11, 12. And you think, okay, like Carl said, this thing's done. But 13 is a tough par three. I can forgive the four there. Um, 14 is a mean par four. I, I can give one up there. And, and 15, it had a really nice par putt that clipped the edge. So that's three straights. But i got to tell you something. I was so impressed with his fortitude, his mental fortitude, because he spoke yeah. of the fact, get this. He said 
he, he just felt like he, he moved a little closer to the ball on the tee on 15. And the driver came out a little flatter, got a bit more roll. He said he felt comfortable with that swing coming in. He flushes one into 17, makes the two. I mean, that tee shot he hit down 18. I know the tee shot McElroy hit at the players at 18 last year was probably one for the ages. But that tee shot down 18 there at the stadium, uh, at the uh, stadium course, the PGA West, it, it, it's tough too with all that trouble down the left-hand side, especially for a guy with a big, strong grip. And, and here's a guy who's got gumption enough to make a slight adjustment to address. He turns the, the three bogey stretch into a par birdie birdie finish and he wins. So I think it was a little of golf and, and, and I think you guys said it. It's just so hard to win, but man, you know, he was sublime, then he was ridiculous, then he was sublime again, and now he's a PGA to a winner for the second time. Well, yeah. And even even when he was struggling, you know, even uh, so 16, he's coming off three bogeys in a row, he hits a good tee shot, and then his second shot, you're like, that. I don't know if that was his intended line, but <laughs> it, it, was, it was a great shot because, you know, Fowler had just, I think Fowler hit before him, and he had just gone into the, you know, the huge bunker off to the left, and... The line that Andrew, that, uh, Andrew Landry was on was like, I mean, he was a couple feet from the, from like rolling all the way down to the bunker and he left himself, you know, I, it didn't work out. He didn't, he didn't get up and down for birdie, but, uh, he, he kept, I thought hitting aggressive shots, which is what you have to do and just hope that, that it kind of works out in the end. Well, you, you go from all of a sudden you're, you're six up. If you're six shots up walking off the 12th hole the way that he was, you're probably not thinking, I got to continue to hit aggressive shots, right? You're probably <laughs> thinking now is it, this is the time where I got to start running the ball. I got to start hitting the middle of green, hitting fairways, get through these six holes and get in and, and I'll have my victory. It doesn't even matter what Abraham answer does. I mean, he's, he's at 27 under. Abraham answer shoots 63, had a putt to get to 25 under and it didn't go in. So 24, I mean, you look at that. He has to basically give it up at that point to, to do it. And he was able to stay calm. I mean, he tried his best to give it up, a three putt at 13 after hitting a green and then just gets a little sloppy on uh, 14 and 15. And, and the way that Pete Dye ends his golf courses with 16, 17 and 18, they're not easy. They're, they're designed to, for this, they're designed for the theater. They're designed for Andrew Landry coming down the stretch. And you're right. I mean, he had to stay aggressive down that stretch and, and he did. And it was really impressive to watch. He just, there are certain tournaments where he pops up. Last year, he came in third in the John Deere. He won 2018. He won at the uh, Valero Texas Open. He just he pops up, but we don't really hear his name very often. Why do you think he's so streaky, Kyle? Start with you. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was. I was actually just looking at his uh, uh, kind of his finishes since that Texas Open. He finished top ten at the Quicken Loans National, and then he finished third at the John Deere. And I think those were his only top 10 since winning the 2018 Texas open, which were coming up on almost two years now. And these are the guys that I, I, I don't, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't get it because if you look at somebody like, um, I don't know, even like a Fowler who's in the final group with him, who he doesn't win a ton, you know, he wins some, but he, like, the way he plays and his finishes, they make sense. Like, when he wins, you're like, yeah, of course, like, because he's, like, in the mix a lot. And then when Andrew Landry wins, you're like, he's, he's, like, never in the mix. So I, I don't get why, and maybe it's something Mark can speak to just in terms of, like, psyche and, and kind of the stuff that's going on uh, in, in your head. I don't get why some guys, 
you know, pop up and, uh, Sandy Lyle, like two, two top 10 finishes at majors and they're both wins. Maybe he's got a few more than that, but it, that, those are the guys that don't make sense to me. But apparently he, I mean, he was so, and this kind of struck me as he finished his round. He was so calm and he just acted like, Oh, are we going to another hole? Like that it didn't, he didn't even really like, you know, react or celebrate. So, I don't know. It, it, it is, uh, it's something that's, it's really difficult to explain, I think, when you're talking about guys that, you know, don't finish high up, but then they'll pop up and, and win a tournament or two every, every third year. You know, for me, uh, it, it, it's so hard because we can't get inside the player's head and, and, and so much of the stuff, you know, numbers and data are a big deal and, and, and players, you know, research this sort of stuff, but there's that, the, the strokes gained with your heart and the strokes gained with your mind. <laughs> and, 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 and no one can ever do that because you never really know. And then there's strokes lost with bad breaks and certain folks just get those sorts of things. And, and, and the folks that don't lose too many strokes with bad breaks are the folks that can sort of deal with the rough and the smooth. The one thing to bear in mind, and, and I'm not going to take a step as far back as what Carl did, uh, back to the, uh, to the Texas Open, which, it appears to me, looking at these golf courses he's won at, he's very comfortable in places where um, you can flatten the driver off the tee, roll the thing out there a little bit, because um, that's his game. Doesn't hit the ball very high, um, and, and so if there's some breezy, blustery, crosswind sort of conditions, um, he's going to thrive. Um, but here's a guy who is newly married. Uh, they've just had a little baby, uh, uh, you know, what's it, a year or so ago. You've just won on the tour, and then you're trying to come to grips with that too because a lot of the times, and, and, and the youngsters I've worked with who've won, you, you you suddenly get into the mindset of not doing what you've done en route to the victory. You start to try and do something different so you can prove to the competition and yourself that you weren't a flash in the pan. And so all of a sudden, guys start changing things, and they're changing clubs, and, and then there are new deals that come potentially sometimes for guys with clubs. Landry stayed with a club manufacturer, the same club manufacturer. But guys start trying different things in an effort to win again instead of just doing what they did to get to where they were. And so there's all that on the go. And and then when you've got a new kid in the house, I know Carl can talk to this because he's got a plethora of them and, and one of them is very young. <laughs> you know, that throws the routine off a little bit. And, and you're trying to be dad on the scene, yet you're still going to work. And then you're up at nights and you can't practice. So there, there's there's a lot of human stuff that's brought to bear. But the one thing I know for certain, oftentimes it's really hard to follow up a victory with another. Uh, and you want to so much enjoy the win, but so much of the competitor is like, well, I've got to prove that I was worthy. And then if you're not really poised and you don't have someone in your camp saying, just continue to do you, you can easily go barking up the wrong tree in a hurry. Don't you think that goes to expectation? Like like if, if you're a player who goes out there and expects to win when they play, then I, I would I would theorize that you're going to say, hey, I expect to win. What I'm doing is going to lead to a win. When it happens, it's not a surprise. If you're going to say, well, now I, I need to validate my victory by, uh, by winning again, then, and, and you're going to change your process in the meantime, it almost tells me that, hey, maybe it is a, a flash that you won. Maybe it is a one at one. Maybe, if it surprised you that you won, should, should it not surprise us? Well, I you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. That's a really good point. I mean, it's, I don't think anyone's really surprised. I mean, when you have the first victory, it takes a while to settle in because, you know, sometimes you're playing against guys that you, you've looked up to, especially for a youngster like an Andrew Landry, for argument's sakes. And then you beat your heroes and, and, and that takes a little while to settle. But if you're on the PGA tour, um, 
you know, the first few weeks I can see you being, okay, I've got to figure out how I belong. But once you're in there and, and, and you've, you, you've been on the tour for a while and you've come up hard scrabble, you sort of like, well, I belong here. And, and then you break through and get that victory. You know, going from the PGA to, going from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour is a big jump. We've seen some golfers that are caught in that never, that never, never land between the two tours. They're just too good for Corn Ferry and they're just not good enough for the tour. But once you've kept yourself on the tour for a while, you're good enough. But the difference between that and a perennial contender in tournaments is a huge leap. You know, the difference between that and winning once in a while, it happens if it's your week. You know, you catch the lightning in the bottle. So there's some expectation. But I'll tell you what, being a consistent winner on tour, I can show you and, and Kyle mentioned Ricky Fowler. I mean, this guy should win in bushels. But, but it's just really hard to win a lot on the tour. So speaking of Ricky Fowler, because you bring up a great point, Ricky uh, enters the weekend in great position, looking like a guy that, I mean, he's the class of the field. He's the most expensive in DraftKings. He's the guy that everybody's looking at saying, hey, this is Ricky's time to win. Uh, and he just, once again, he fades on the weekend. And I don't know what it is, the putting. I know he lost strokes game putting today. I know that uh, the putter let him down a little bit. But I know that he played the more difficult golf course on the stadium course on Saturday and Sunday. But still, he just seems to fade a little bit. Kyle, are, are you disappointed when you look at a Ricky Fowler and you see him fade on the weekend after shooting 65, 64 in the first two rounds? Yeah, not not just for Fowler, but anybody who's a top 15, top 20 guy and you're the best guy in the field and you're up near the lead on Friday night and then you come out, I, I mean, I don't know, man, like you can't go out in the final group and put up a, a 71. It just it just felt like, you know, where I, I think I think Ricky gets into this thing and, and I've kind of theorized this for a while that he's so steady, which is such a which is such a great trait when it comes to professional golf and this is why i think he's going to win a u.s open or an open championship because he doesn't get too high or too low and it's almost like you need a little like you know come on like like oomph on on a sunday to go like reel off five birdies in a row and he just he just plays this steady golf that in tournaments where 27 under is winning he just doesn't seem to have like the juice to go and and do it and i realize that's an overreaction to like what we saw on the weekend one on Sunday. I just, I, it, it feels like there should be more there. In, defa, in, 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 in Ricky's defense, he struck the ball fine today. I, he was a bit ragged. He wasn't his best. He didn't have his best stuff. But he gave himself a lot of looks early. And, and uncharacteristically, on some spectacular greens, he just looked like he was misreading putts because the putts he hit looked like they had his attention for a while. He wasn't up and out of them real quick. So you know he was hitting his lines. So you just get those days really where, um, you know, you want to make a few putts, you misread a few, then they start to not go in. Then all of a sudden that hole looks like it's the size of a thimble. And then the next thing, it, it, it becomes a little mental and you start to get in your own way. So I think today wasn't necessarily an outlier for Fowler, but he did, he played well enough to win. He just didn't make the putts that you have to, uh, to win an event. And, and that again gets back to this data. You know, everyone says you've got to drive the ball well to, to, to get a leg up on your competition. If you want to win tournaments, you've got to make putts when it counts. And that means the final round typically of the event. If you're in contention, it becomes a putting contest. And Ricky just didn't do his share today. Unfortunately, it, it, for, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Real quick on Fowler, it is interesting. I'm looking at his at his five wins on the PGA Tour, 
And I always go back to the players, the, the 67 on Sunday where he plays the last five and six under, whatever it was. And I, I kind of always point to that. But to your point about the, the weekend stuff, so uh, he wins Phoenix last year. He goes 64, 65, 64, 74. That's where he had the, I think it was a triple when he hit it mm-hmm. in the water. Yeah, that was unfortunate then. That whole mess. So uh, 2017 Honda, he goes 66, 66, 65, 71. So he does have these like, even when he wins, it's like, ah, how's this going to go? I think, I think Honda Sunday was like, it was kind of windy and it was a little, I think that was a really tough day, but uh, yeah, a lot of his final rounds have been higher than uh, his first three days of, yeah. of scoring, even at tournaments where he wins. No question about it. That's what I was going to say. Unfortunately, it's not an outlier. This day, as Mark said, it's not too much of an outlier. And that you look at the statistics from last year, and he was 15th in round one scoring average, 28th in round two scoring average, 21st in round three scoring average, 123rd in round four scoring average. We saw it all year last year. I mean, 74 at the farmer, 74 at the waste management, which he backed his way into a win, 71 in Mexico. Uh, he did shoot 67 at the Honda, but, uh, and, and that was a, that was a good round in his backyard. It was a really nice final round. He almost won. I almost got into a playoff with Brooks Kepka and Keith Mitchell. 71 at the API, 76 at the Players Championship, 77 at the PGA Championship, 72 at the Memorial, 72 at the U.S. Open. I mean, it just goes on and on. 74 at the Open. It's, he, he, there's something about Sundays for him, and I just I'm ready to see Ricky get the job done. I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm just I'm kind of on the fence here. I don't know if this is just what we're going to get out of Ricky because it's starting to seem that way, and it really bums me out, especially when I pick Ricky Fowler in the one and done pool, just like you did, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I did, and you know I, I I'm with you. Like I, I'm not. I, I agree with you, but. I also look at again the players that he won. That was a huge spot, and then the Masters that he you know, almost went to a playoff with Patrick Reed. Those are, those are as big a spots as you can get. And he played unbelievable golf down the stretch. And I think, you know, I'd be interested to look at, and I haven't done this deep of a dive on it, but how many of those was he playing from like the fourth to last group versus how many was he in the final group, you know, in terms of like a lot of these, those wins I just mentioned, I know he was in the final pairing and I, I don't know if that's a nerve thing. I don't know what it is, but it, it's definitely real. And, and the two that I point to, the players and then the, uh, what was that, 18 masters, he definitely wasn't in the final pairing. So I don't know. That's something, um, you know, that's sort of this narrative about him. And sometimes it, you know, turns out to be true. It, it's just disappointing to watch to me. I, I, cause I'm such a big Ricky fan. I, I love the guy. I love his game. I just want him to do well. And I want him to, I, I want this to stop. I want the narrative that Ricky can't close that Ricky just can't win the big tournament. I want it to stop because he, he's too good. He's too good for that big of a difference between rounds one, two, three, and four. It, it just, it disappoints me. But I, I want to bring up a, another young player on a brighter note who have played a fantastic tournament. And he's another one of these guys. He's almost the third player in a row on the PGA Tour that we've seen come out of the President's Cup, and that's Abraham Answer. Abraham has, uh, he, he shot a 63 today, um, which was just a, a, a fantastic round. I don't think he was ready to be tied for the lead. I think uh, he he's way behind Andrew Landry when he's at 27 under, and he's just trying to finish as strong as he can. And all of a sudden he looks up after birdie and 17, he's tied for the lead. So I can't imagine the emotions that he was going through, but he was really calm in the interview. This is a guy that I think is definitely on the rise. Mark, 
What are your thoughts about this player going forward? Yeah, I think on the rise is the understatement. I mean, this he last year sprung to prominence with a victory down in Australia, or well, you know, what's the over a year ago now, and then last year steadily built on this on the PGA Tour, and and just week in and week out would pop up onto leaderboards. Um, and as he did so, you could see that Abraham was beginning to understand who he was as both a player and a competitor. And, and a competitor, man, he has got all sorts of guts. I, I, I will hearken back to last year in Mexico at the World Golf Championships event. He's paired with Tiger for the first two rounds. I'm on the call out there on the golf course. And so, you know, even in Mexico, he was getting a lion's share of the uh, of the the fan support. But Tiger is Tiger, and everyone was going bananas to see him out there for the first time. And Abraham took this like water in a duck's back. The guy hit the ball in the fairway, hit the ball on the green, didn't putt very well that week, but still looked so measured and so comfortable with who he was between the ropes, no matter the situation. And then, of course, goes you know earns his way onto the Presidents Cup after promising Captain Ernie Els this, which that takes a little uh, of them uh, cojones, you know. And then then he goes <laughs> down there to Australia and is just a, a a man child. Sadly, doesn't win in the singles against Woods, but he, he's he's just sort of coming into his own in the biggest way. And and the the cool thing about him. You know, he, he's not going to impose you physically. You walk up to him and he's a small guy. He's nice, softly spoken. Um, you know, very, very deep thinker. And, and his game, he won't blow you away with the ball striking, but he's accurate. He hits the same shot all the time. The putting is the same sort of thing. Throughout the week, he won't fill it up like a fowler, but when he needs to make a putt, he's got that special sense for the moment. You know, the Woods, Nicholas, those sorts of guys that when you have to make one, you knock it down. And Answer has a little bit of that stuff about him. And so I, I, I think the future is now. And I feel like this final round 63 around a, a visually imposing golf course, this is only going to pump up that confidence even more. And I look forward to what the rest of this year and beyond holds for him. Maybe you're getting a one-and-done pick, Kyle. What do you think? Next week? <laughs> Yeah, he's, you know, I, I think the thing that impresses me, I, I've been a little, um, I've been a little more hesitant on answer, but, you know, I was looking at his strokes gain numbers and he goes, his first year on tour is 2016. He's 144th tee to green. Uh, he, I think he's on Corn Ferry the next year. And then in 18, he's 70th tee to green. Last year, he's 44th tee to green. And so far this year, it looks like he's going to be in, inside the, you know, top 30, top 40, something like that. So, when you're making that consistent improvement, another guy we've seen this from is Xander Shoffley, who, who's really, you know, he started out uh, at, at that U.S. Open, whatever, three or four years ago. And you're like, oh, okay, I think it was three years ago. And he's, but he's gotten steadily better every year. I think answer was starting from farther back in terms of his stats and, and how good he was. But that steady improvement, if that's your trajectory, that's a really good thing. And uh, he's kind of won me over. He's kind of, he's kind of fun. Like I just, I kind of enjoy watching him and he, you know, I was listening to him kind of break down his round afterwards and the way he talks about it is, is engaging. And I'm, I'm in, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in on Abraham answer. Engaging. No question about it. I mean, he has a calm, Ricky Fowler, but there's an intensity behind that calmness that I notice, And that's what draws me to him. I, I feel like Mark was meant comparing some of those attributes to like a Woods and a Nicholas, the, the competitor with no fear. And, and that's, that intensity is what I see in Abraham. And it's it just something that you can't, re, it can't really be taught. It's just, it's something you see. It's something you sense. Like he, he was 
in the post round interview today, he had, like I said earlier, no chance of winning. He goes out there and shoots 63. It, it, does, it shouldn't be a chance of winning because Andrew Landry's running away with it and started ahead. But all of a sudden he gets that, he gets that sniff of the lead and now he's, I thought, upset that he missed the, the birdie putt on 18. He seemed very upset about that. Um, and he seemed, although he played really well, he seemed like it bothered him that he didn't win. And it's almost hard to picture that because you're not really in position to win going into the week. And then until you make a birdie on the second to last hole, now all of a sudden you're in position. So there's an intensity and a belief about him. I, I think it's uh, just it's going to be fun to watch going forward. He's got a little blue chip about him, which I like too. You know, he's he's got that like junkyard dog kind of thing going on. Um, you know, where he's always the small guy in the ring, and he's going to battle and claw, and and you know, he's just never going to go away. He doesn't play himself out of events. And, and to Kyle's observation about the strokes gained improvement, he's done this without really making any adjustments to his technique. But it's just, uh, and, you know, grit and a desire, and 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 even a lot of shot selection, as he's understood now what he's able to do. That that that's. You just see a guy that, you know, this is going to sound silly, but, but, but he plays to shoot the lowest score he can. You know, with certain guys, it looks like they play and it comes so easy. There's not any of that real sort of grit about them, if you know what I'm saying. I love Absolutely. it when Mark, I love it when Mark compares guys who haven't won to, uh, Tiger and, and Jack Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a stretch. I understand what he's getting I look at. Look beyond though. the resume, I Kyle. I, I, be, I thought you'd be all up on this boy because he went to Oklahoma for two years. You know that. Eh? Yeah, I went to Oklahoma State. That's why I'm, that's why oh, I was down okay. on I see what you're right. Gotcha. So both you and Abraham are rivals to, uh, the next guy we got to talk about here. Scotty Scheffler went to the yeah. University of Texas, still seeking that. Um, that, that first career PGA Tour victory. Scotty has had quite an impressive rookie year to the PGA Tour. I mean, what do you think, guys? It, it, this is now his third top seven finish. He's got a T3 at the Bermuda Championship, T7 at the Military Tribute at the Greenbrier, T5 at the RSM, and then this finish here this week. I mean, what, what do you make of that, Kyle? Yeah, it, it's been impressive. You know, he's kind of unassuming. You, you see, I saw him at the US Open. I think it was at uh, Aaron Hill's. And you're like, yeah, he's shirt untucked. He kind of just ambles around and then he just keeps posting these top tens. He, he's, he's super impressive. I think he is the, uh, I'm probably forgetting. Oh, I guess you got, uh, you know, the, the, the Victor Hovland Scotty Scheffler race for rookie of the year could be, could be really good. <laughs> could be really interesting once, once Hovland gets over and, and plays some PGA tour events. So. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, he is, uh, how old is he? Is he 23? He is, hang on, let me get, uh, he is 23 years old. Yep. Okay. So he's a little older than like, you know, some of the guys that when they're first, cause I think he played all four years at Texas. So you're using the word, uh, just so you know, you're using the word old and, and 23 yeah. in the same well, sentence here. Walking Neiman tour these days, right? Walking Neiman can barely vote. I mean, <laughs> that guy, that guy like just turned eight, 19. So, yeah. uh, yeah, he, I really like Scotty Shuffler a lot. He's up, he's going to be up inside the top 60 in the world. You know, he's a, uh, He's a really interesting, like, if he has a great year, could he make a kind of an outside run at, uh, at the, at the Ryder Cup? You know, I, and that sounds crazy right now because we're like six events into the year or I guess three events into the year. Um, but yeah, I think he's really, really good. 
Is he crazy? Is he crazy, Mark? Is Kyle crazy here? <laughs> well, he calls me out for comparing Answer to Nicholas and Woods. Now he's talking about Ryder Cup. I'm not going to pump the breath just a little bit. Now, you know, you know what? There's, there's a funny role reversal on the go here between Kyle and me because, you know, ordinarily Kyle's your strokes gain statistical guy where I talk about, you know, some of that other <laughs> ethereal sort of stuff. And, and I'm looking through Scotty's numbers and, He's 14 strokes going off the tee. He pounds it off the tee. I mean, the guy averaging over 310 yards. So, you know, he's turning many of the par fours onto the tour into, you know, drivers and nine irons and drivers and wedges. And, and, and we've seen what those guys do. The, the Dustin Johnsons, the, the Rory McElroys, the guys that bust the thing off the tee. The game just comes easy to them. Uh, the only thing, because I, I look through the numbers and everything's there, the putting is a little un- inconsistent, but he's still gaining strokes in the field. The only thing that concerns me about Scotty is I, 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 he, he's got to be a little careful with some of that the leg action, which which kind of shoots out ah. from underneath him. And yeah. he looks like he's, he's he's sort of prone to a bit of a ball that wants to hook under pressure. And uh, there was one or two of them that he was fighting off coming down the stretch. But that being said, when you can reduce the 16th hole there at the 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 at PGA West to a driver and a five iron, I mean that is mammoth, okay. And and if you got those sorts of gears, you can when you're rolling in putts, you can compete with anyone. And and he sort of got an old head on young shoulders. And I guess playing in the the slipstream of Jordan Spieth will teach you some of that. So uh, <laughs> he's he's a he's he's a good one. I mean I when he came out off number one off the Corn Ferry Tour. I asked a good buddy of mine, fellow announced colleague, Craig Perks. I'm like, what's the scoop? And, and Perksy, player's champion, was like, he's got it. He, this, this boy is good. And, and so far, Craig has been right. Well, I, yeah, I think, I mean, the, the Corn Ferry thing, you go Sung Jay the year before, you go Scotty Scheffler last year in terms of the, uh, the regular season, who won the, the money list. And I mean, that's like, that's a real thing. You're going out and winning multiple times. Uh, that's a really strong and becoming stronger tour. That, I mean, you've, you're like, you've got my attention if you're coming out off of that tour as the number one guy, because I, I don't think, you know, that's not a joke. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm way in on, on Scotty Scheffler, uh, excuse me, Scotty Scheffler both this year and, and beyond that. And, you know, you're, that's a great point, Kyle, because that's the design, the PGA Tour design, the Corn Ferry Tour to be this, right? It's the road to the PGA Tour. And we get a little bit familiar with these guys, especially, I mean, it's really the, the guys that are leading the way. It's the guys near the top that we become a little more familiar with, the guys that win out there on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, maybe like a Tommy Ganey or something like that. And so um, there, there's definitely an awareness and it's definitely bringing I think Scotty Scheffler came into this year on the PGA Tour with a little bit bigger of a name than some of the players in the past because of that. But, so I think they they've done a really nice job with the Corn Ferry Tour uh and getting that set up and all the players are going through there now. So the next stars are going to come through the Corn Ferry Tour with very few uh, sort of generational talent exceptions. So uh the the last thing we want to get to here before we get to a break is our weekly standings here for the one and done. Mark, you mentioned it earlier, Ben on, <laughs> not, uh, well, not the best outing for him. And he, he did miss the cut after starting with that. So I, I was looking at it saying, man, Mark really is the king of one and done. Cause I was just watching the scoreboards, uh, in, in the morning on Thursday saying, are you kidding me? How does it, how does he predict this? I mean, I love Ben on, but. Come on, Mark's all over it. And now he sits in seventh place. What do you think? Seven out of seven. Uh, there's lots of golf left. We're lots fine. Of golf. I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the thing for me is just to make sure that in the, um, in, in the events where 
you know, you're going to get some folks picking the same guys, like, uh, in a couple of weeks time, perhaps at Phoenix, where there might be a whole big dash to, to jump on Ricky Fowler. You know, I would, I'm not going to panic just yet, but in situations like that, I'm going to have to call someone sort of against the grain to, to make up some ground. Uh, so Kyle, you and I both picked Ricky Fowler this week. He was the class of the field. I obviously think it was a great pick, but a little disappointing. You're sitting there right in second. How are you feeling about your position? Well, I feel good. I was actually, I was thinking about this as Landry was teeing off on 18 and I was thinking, would it have been a good pick to pick Andrew Landry on, on Wednesday? And when he's teeing off on 18, you're like, yeah, that would have been a great pick. But at the time it would have been a horrible pick. And so I think a lot of this is like, it's, you can't do it on like based on outcome. So like Mark's pick of Ben all, that's a great pick. You know, it, it just, right. based on the, based on the field, how he's playing, the profile of a winner there. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. I'm, I'm going to try to go the whole year and only pick Oklahoma State guys. I went Charles <laughs> Howe the first week. I went, I went Charles Howe at Sony and I went Ricky at, uh, at, at, uh, this week. And, I don't know. Maybe I'll go like, is, is Taylor Gooch playing Tory? I don't know. We'll see. I think he finished top 10 a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah that's a good well, point. you never know. See, you bring up such a great point with you can't go on the outcome entirely. Like I, I have gone through this many times in my handicapping of golf tournament career where you have an Andrew Landry who wins. Would he have been a good pick? No, he would have been a terrible pick because he missed five straight cuts leaving into it. You can't find a yeah. reason to pick him, especially if you, if you have to him, talk it was about a show, it, on, it was a, a broadcast like this. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Kim, <laughs> Michael pick... Kim did the same thing, right? He he won, he set a record at the John Deere, hasn't made a cut since, and and he missed a lot of cuts beforehand too. So there, there's no signs that they're going to win. So that is what makes the one and done so challenging. Uh, but it makes picking winners even harder, I think. So uh, there's a lot of golf left, a lot of heartbreak, and a lot of triumph left to go in the one and done season. We're definitely going to keep it posted. <laughs> okay, I got it. I got to ask you guys this uh, for the folks who do one and done that listen to this too. How much more does it have you favoriting guys on your PGA tour leaderboards on the app? <laughs> Cause my oh, favorites, man. my favorites are all our league and I'm watching our folks are going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the best. The you just, you flip it on. It's almost like a tournament within inside, within the tournament. It doesn't matter if Ricky comes in time 10th. Cause did anybody beat him? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's really the question. So I, I love the, the favorites on the PGA tour leaderboard there. Mine usually get a little bit long. They get a little bit longer than just the one and done's we have in this. Just, just saying. Um, but the world of golf is, it was, had a busy weekend. There was a, a lot more. We had the Abu Dhabi HSBC championship over in Europe, an impressive win over there. We had the Singapore open taking place. Uh, I, obviously in Singapore, we had John Smoltz winning uh, a celebrity golf tournament as well with an interesting club in the bag. We're going to get to all of that next, but first let's hear a word from our partners. With Kizik hands, free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. 
How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Back on the first cut. Uh, lots to get into here in this in this second segment here. We got to get into the the rest of the world. I mean, we got an entire world of golf to cover. We covered the American Express earlier, um, but but Lee Westwood wins the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship decades. Mark, what does this event mean to you? Because I know you had some uh, some very nice words to say earlier about this. Uh, you know what, Lee Westwood is just one of my favorite human beings in the world, and and that's not just because he plays good golf. He's just Salt of the earth, you know, was a great amateur player. I mean, I remember Lee Westwood from my days in European tour teaching out there when he had real crooked teeth and he was chunky and he'll admit it. And, but, but the guy could just really play and then, you know, battle the golf swings or multiple golf instructors and just fell into the doldrums. I mean, he couldn't hit the thing. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, but then went back to what he did and, and, and sort of steadily clawed his way back to the top of the game. And now, the guy looks evergreen to me, uh, and, and the way he won was just, it represents everything to me that I love about golf. You know, golf is this, it's the game of a lifetime, and, and yes, the PGA Tour and the European Tour, it's a young man's game, because these guys, it's incomprehensible how far some of them can move the ball and how fast it moves through the air. But Lee Westwood has kept himself in decent shape. He stayed pretty mobile. He's pretty much stayed injury-free, which is a big deal for golfers as you start to age. And and he's always just been dynamic in terms of accuracy. And when he gets going and when he finds a way to make a few putts, because that's the weakness, he's always going to be around. And 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 I, for one, am a guy, you know, I, I, I pull for golfers to be successful because I know how hard it is. But I tell you what, if there's one thing that I want really badly is for Lee Westwood to somehow stumble into a major championship, preferably the Open. Otherwise, the Masters, he's pretty good there. But but just somehow, because that would make the career complete, almost in the vein of his good buddy Darren Clark. You know, Clark, he was a legend of European golf, legend of global golf, and then gets his Open, and it's been you know, plain sailing from there. So I, I was so excited when I turned it on this morning and saw him win. That was, that was very cool. I mean, what a show we've had so far. We have, uh, we have Mark Collin picking Lee Westwood to win the Masters and we have uh, <laughs> yeah, Scotty Scheffler making the Ryder Cup team. <laughs> Is he crazy here, Kyle? What do you think? I mean, we've had too much of this going on already. Today. I, said, I don't even know what to say. I said the uh, open no. first. I said the open first. Masters second. Okay. <laughs> okay. The open. I don't. Okay, so this brings this brings me to one of one of the great what ifs uh, in the last since I've been covering golf the last eight years, and that is uh, what if Danny Willett's baby comes a week after it was born in 2016, and Westwood wins the Masters. Where that leads you is a Westwood Spieth playoff in 2016 at the Masters, and that is that's just there's so many sliding doors when it comes to the and it's like who who can you know you can't control like when your kid is born and will it was like on the fence of whether or not he was going to play i mean westwood's record at augusta and to mark's point so he hasn't played the last two years before that going backwards from 17 he was t, uh, t18 t2 that was 2016 uh t46 and then 7 t8 t3 t11 second yeah. I mean, in the 2010s, his record at Augusta was right there with anybody, and especially 
right there with anybody who didn't win. Uh, I, I'm with Mark. I think it would be so cool to see him win a major championship and, and specifically the open, but, uh, he, he kills it at Augusta. So that's going to be, that's going to be fun to see him there. I think he got in with that T4 at the open last year, if, well, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he's after this victory, uh, from what I understood and correct me if I'm wrong, his world ranking is going to hop from in the mid sixties to somewhere in the, in the thirties. And so he's pretty well a lock for Augusta national in, in, in the fall. And, and it's amazing at this, at, at, at this stage in one's career. There's an element of free swinging at the, on the go because everything is just bonus. It's gravy for Westwood now. Now it remains to be seen what he would, what he's going to feel like on Sunday night, uh, th- Saturday night if he's in contention at one of these things and, and does he get it done? But, but, but he does look like he's swinging free and it's almost like, well, whatever, whatever happens, happens. I've had a great career and you know, everything's just bonus now. And, and there's something to be said for that. And, you know, it's not like he just went over to a small European tour event and, and won in kind of a weaker mm-hmm. field. This was uh, – on, on the European tour, this is a, a strong field. You got Tommy Fleetwood shooting 63. Tom, this this seems to be the Tommy Fleetwood Invitational. He loves this golf course. He loves this tournament and usually wins it. And you had Matthew Fitzpatrick right behind him, Louis Oosthuizen right there. You had a couple of the American players going, Brooks Kepka uh, and and Patrick Cantlay as well, although they, they finished at – eight under par tied 34th. Um, so speaking of some of those players, when you look at uh, Brooks Kepka, what do you think of the start to his career or, or the start to his year? Are you worried at all about his knee? I'll start with you. No, I don't, I don't think so. You know, he had the one bad, bad round. He shoots 75 in the second round. Uh, and other than that, you know, he played well, he's 66 in the first round and then closed 70, 69. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a good start for him. I think that he, nobody really knew what to expect. I mean, he hadn't played in, you know, since October when he, when he withdrew from the CJ Cup. So I, I don't, uh, I don't get super concerned about, uh, injuries when it comes to somebody like him. Mark, what do you think? You know what? I was just listening to what Brooks had to say. You, you, a golfer coming out who hasn't been competitive for a while, it's always, you, I, in many instances, in my opinion, if they play well, there's a, you know, there's some fortune involved. Um, and to Carl's point, he, he played really sound on day one. Six birdies, no bogeys. I'm like, dang, look, this guy looks like he's right back in the saddle, but there's going to be an evening out that happens through four rounds of golf. And, and, and the physicality of it didn't look like it concerned me at all. You know, there were a few left misses there in round two. And, you know, for someone with that big strong grip and, and the club face, it errs on the close side. If you're not pivoting hard, you're going to shut one down and hit the ball left. So that was bothersome to me some. But what I loved is what he said after the round. And someone's like, one of the European tour announcers is like, well, was it the knee? And Brooks is like, nah, you know, I just didn't play very well. And and then someone else asked about something else. And he goes, no excuses. I just didn't play very well. And and he was, that was Brooks Kepka. That's who he has been over the last few seasons. He's, 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 he's abrupt. He calls it like it is. There's no beating about the bush. There's no sugarcoating. And, and, and the way he was speaking, I was like, this guy's fine. He is absolutely fine. And he's got four rounds of golf under his belt. I'm sure that was some of the goal to get competitive for four rounds. And so now he's back in the saddle some. So no, eight under par, you know, first tournament out. I don't think that was that bad at all. 
I feel like when we've heard the narrative and we've had our discussions about the 2020 majors and everybody's had their talks about what they, they're predicting in the upcoming year. And you look at all of that, which Brooks Kepka's name was mentioned probably a lot less than it should be for a guy that has four major championships in the last three years. Uh, and, and then you look at around like the second round um, in this tournament where he shoots 75, three over par. Mark, I agree with you, by the way, he, that what he said afterwards was beautiful. Classic Brooks. And whether it's true or not, it's the it's the best attitude. No no excuses. This is what I did. I just did that. I just didn't play well. I'll play better tomorrow. And you you kind of look at that, and it's almost like we're falling for the trap again. And it doesn't sound like either of you are, but we've fallen back into the trap of well, Brooks hasn't been playing very well. Blah blah blah. Leading into a major, and then all of a sudden he snaps off at Augusta and wins. I mean, I, I just feel there's a there's a little bit of rust maybe maybe that's not the right word but a little bit of of reps that brooks needs right now to get himself back into play but i think it's going to happen very quickly and when i look at that kind of an injury a little patella tear it's it's extremely painful and but once it's fixed it's very often better than it was beforehand and that's kind of in in the lead up to this tournament what brooks was talking about how he can actually squat down all the way there's no pain in his in his knee and it leads me to believe that he was playing through some pain last year as well so the fact that it's fixed now is a scary sight for the rest of the world and i think once brooks gets a couple of reps under his way when we get to april and we're teeing it up at augusta national if you're not saying his name i i think you're you're really missing something yeah and we we also haven't talked about how he ended bryson dechambeau's career <laughs> on twitter on thursday man was that on Twitter or was that on Twitch? Brooks responded on Twitter. Bryson's initial comment was on, on Twitch. Yeah, right? Brooke, Brooks responded on Twitter. I, I don't know <laughs> if this is a case of, uh, one guy is joking and the other's actually serious or if they're both joking. Do you make anything of that, Mark? Do you, did you get a <laughs> chuckle out of that? You think they're both kidding around? I'm still chuckling. I mean, uh, I, I, I just love it when someone how many times? Okay, let's just put it this way, because I'm I'm the I'm the guy who thinks deep, right? How many times have you crafted a tweet and then you'd be like, Nah, I can't send that, you know? But, oh yeah, all right, oh, often. Yeah. And you're like, Dang, I so want to send this, but no, nah, I'm gonna let this thing sit in the drafts. <laughs> yes, Brooks, going whatever, man. Punch it, picture, send, because I do not give a continental stuff, and that, <laughs> and that that is just it's the ultimate competitor. And to me, it's the ultimate individual who's completely comfortable with who he is because he doesn't give two hoots about what people are going to think. And, and uh, then when he does this, because I don't think there was that him going, well, I'm going to get a bunch of followers out of this or whatever the case might be. He does this and it becomes absolute fodder for the Twitter sphere. And, and, and the next thing, the guy's legend is just growing. I, I, I just love his manner and I love how he, he doesn't really care what people think. It, it was really cool. I, I, first of all, I, I think if you're Bri- Brooks and you're looking at Bryson, who's first of all on Twitch, I don't know much about Twitch, but he's playing video games here. And it, I'm wondering if you're Bryson, where, where do you have time to be uh, making Twitch streams and playing video games when you're spending, you know, you're hitting the gym three times a day and you're becoming massive? I don't know where does, does Bryson sleep? That's my first question. My second question is, well, if you're if you're Brooks Kepi, you're kind of just rolling your eyes. This is kind of like a younger brother who's poking you in the arm, and he's got nothing on you. I, so I don't really know where this thing is coming. But Bryson all of a sudden is bulking up, thinks he's tough, and I think he poked the wrong bear. 
I think Mark is big on Twitch. <laughs> I don't even know what Twitch is, man. Come on. <laughs> Remember, I'm 49, okay? I, I'm still trying to be as cool as you are on Twitter, Carl, so I'm, I'm, I'm still there. <laughs> Kyle, you got to get on Twitch here and there, right? You, you got a little no. uh, Fortnite in you? No, dude. So my last foray into a new technology was the spring break thing like three years ago when everybody was like Fowler and all those guys were posting on Snapchat. And I was like, I honestly like I I struggled to get on Snapchat. I still don't know if that's like the actual terminology. So I stick with what I know. I stay in my lane on Twitter (laughs) and uh, we'll go from there. You're like Bill Belichick, right? Snap face and Insta chat and all those things. So it's a fun game. I don't know anything about the Twitch thing either. I, I know nothing about it. So Twitter is the place where you can find me. And, and it sounds like uh, the two of you are exactly Twitch, the same way. Twitch sounds like something to me that someone does over a five foot putt yet late on a Friday afternoon. Huh? That's, that's what <laughs> yeah, Twitch is. For yeah. sure. For sure. Twitch is something that sends you to a, to a, to a mental doctor. Uh-huh. That's what it sounds like to me as well. That, that is too good. But uh, anyway, also across the world we had matt kuchar winning the singapore open he shot 18 under held off justin rose at 15 under jazzy J. am not going to try to say his name i'm not going to get you, into brother. the uh oh you got let's I got, hear i got you i actually last year at, at beth page black i had his group in the final round and and i was dispatched by our producer lance barrow to get him on camera pronouncing the thing and so it's jane watananand there Jane Watananan. How'd I do? You're fantastic. You can use this in your show tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, that's what I'll have to do. You know, we have this clip that we play on uh, on a new breed of golf, and it's it's actually I, it must have been you who got him saying pronouncing the name right. So the the audio clip starts off. He's pronouncing the name right, and then it's everybody else in the Sirius XM family who was calling the action, getting it completely wrong, and it. <laughs> is hysterical the different kind of names that come out of his mouth but so pretty good play from him uh and great play from Matt Kuchar are we surprised to see him win it all what do you think Kyle uh I don't know I maybe a little bit you know I didn't feel like he came out of the fall playing great he was okay I guess at the President's Cup uh yeah I was I was actually surprised to see him and Justin Rose and Hendrick Stinson in the field I had this I had uh I was up late on like Thursday night or Friday night or something, and I I just flip it over to Golf Channel, and I'm like, huh, Henrik Stinson and Justin Rose playing the Singapore Open. Okay, Let's stay up a little bit later. Yeah, it was it was like uh, it was great. I think it actually might have been the lead into uh, the Abu Dhabi tournament. So, uh, yeah, I I don't I'm not super surprised. The the thing that's more uh, disconcerting is that did you see this Ho Sung Choi thing? Uh, that's what I was going to bring up next reckless endangerment what do, what do you think about that i mean it's it's i've never seen this before you see this at like a major league baseball game where there's not enough pine tar and it slips out of somebody the bat slips out of somebody's hand he like he let for people who haven't seen it he lets go of his club like on his follow-through and mm-hmm. it almost hits his playing partner in the knees hey you make I mean, it this sound like it's 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 out of the blue i i can tell i can count many guys jt is a master at letting go of a golf club he just has practiced obviously practiced this some because the thing lands behind him with with, with the the gyrations that ho sung delivers on the follow-through he had turned almost right side toward the target so when he let go <laughs> this thing was coming off horizontal to his target line <laughs> uh, it was and, like a corkscrew <laughs> Well, he does that on every shot. I mean, if you're playing, if you're playing at a group with Ho Sung Choi and you know that he's going to be, uh, doing triple axles after every shot he hits, you got to give him at least a 15 foot radius, don't you think? 
<laughs> that tea was some tight confines. Mm-hmm. I could, I actually looked at this and there were some trees on the right and the, it looked like a bit of a fall off. So everyone's on there and he, he made the, uh, the move that is, is drawn, you know, much fanfare all around the world and let go of the club at the wrong time. Hosong Choi is back. It's great to see. Yeah. I actually, last year at Pebble Beach, um, he got an invitation. So I made a point in the practice day to go and uh, watch him. And, and in the practice rounds, it doesn't do that very much. It's when he hits one that's a little on the edge. that That's when the body English gets, uh, the heat gets turned up. It's amazing how that brings him to fame. I mean, he is a sensation. We all love him. And uh, I, and we saw him last year at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro. And I'm not sure if we're going to see him again this year. But I know that uh, a lot of people would love to see that because it, it's exciting to watch. You know, hopefully he can just hang on to the club for a little bit longer or, or release it a little bit earlier. Right. He's got to time up the release in that twirl. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. But, hey, ne- next week, you two are both going to be down at the PGA Merchandise Show uh, as the first cut goes on the road. Have you guys been there before? Mark, I know you've been there many times. Kyle, have you been down there? I have. This will be my fourth in a row, I think. And uh, it's fun. You know, I, I think as with anything, the most fun part of it is just seeing people that you don't see often, which for me is going to be Mark and, uh, you know, some of our other editors and producers that will be there. So that will be a blast. Um, it's it's like crate. It's like the biggest it's nuts. building I've ever it's seen crazy. in my life. Mm-hmm. The convention center in Orlando, you could you could like probably put like a nine hole course in there and uh and have room um so yeah it'll it'll be a good time looking forward to doing the podcast in person so we can uh, holler at each other and and interrupt each other without uh trying to figure out when the other person's going to stop talking so that'll be great i just I, I can't wait to be next to people and say folks that's kyle porter and i want to see all the autographs that he has to sign and like, <laughs> there he is <laughs> it's gonna be fun bring two pens you got to bring two pens next week kyle booth and i'll get him <laughs> Yeah, that's right. PGA show, that's exactly what it is. You run into people you haven't seen in forever, uh, and everybody is in a good mood. Everybody wants to talk and hang out. So whenever you're, if you're scheduling meetings down there, if any of, if any of you listening are headed to the PGA show and you're scheduling out some meetings, you gotta make sure you leave yourself a 15 minute buffer on either side because to get, as Kyle mentioned, the size of the place is one thing, but getting in between meetings, not only is it going to be a long walk, likely, it's also going to be interrupted many times, which is always fun. So I know you two will have a great time down there. I wish I could make it down. Unfortunately, I can't next week. I'll, I'll be uh, excited to watch um, to watch CBS return here to the world of golf, and, and they're going to host the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Mark, you're going to be on the call, uh, along with Frank Noblo, who's yeah. going to be joining the pod. Are you looking forward to that? Oh, yeah, Torrey Pines. You know, it, 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 I, I hate to say this with respect to the other events, but that's sort of when the PGA Tour and the new season always starts for me. Obviously, it's the first CBS event, and, and it, it's the first real test of what a golfer has, because the south course, the north course now too, but that south course is just a downright beast. And you've got to drive it straight, you've got to hit good irons, you've got to be able to you know, make saves around the place. And, and so it's the ultimate test. It's a major championship venue. It's a great field. It's a CBS show. So, uh, yeah, I'm jacked, and I'm looking forward to talking up with Davis Love, who's going to be on the crew, and Frank, obviously. And so it's going to be all sorts of fun. I can't wait to see it. It's a new, it's a new team it, with new life out there. It's going to be very exciting 
to see. I can't wait. And uh, the the biggest news of the tournament, I mean, let's be honest, Tiger Woods is going to be playing. He's mm. going to be making his 2020 calendar debut. First PGA Tour starts since winning the Zozo, although he did have the President's Cup in the meantime. Kyle, before we get going here, I just want to put you on the spot. Is Tiger Woods the winner at the end of next week? Are you taking him in the one and done, or are you saving him for, for a major? Uh, I'll save him. I actually predicted – uh, this might not age very well, but I predicted that he wouldn't win in 2020. Um, wow. So yeah, I'll I'll probably save him for for later on. I'm not sure where yet. Um, so what do you think of his chances this week though, or, or at the Farmers rather? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, it's hard because there's so many different. When we talk about Tiger, there's so many different angles you can take. Do you take the he's won there eight times? Do you take the well, he hasn't really played a tournament in three months other than the President's Cup. Do you take the – well, everybody and, – and this is where I'm sort of fading him. Everybody is, like, going in expecting him to be uh just awesome this year. And I feel like we went into – you know, after he wins the Masters, everybody's like, okay, it's on. Lights out this summer. And then he was terrible. He He's just – he seems to zig when people expect him to zag, especially over the last couple of years. So – that's the only reason I'm fading him this year. It'll probably he'll probably win next week and the next five tournaments after. <laughs> yeah, right. That wouldn't be too bad. A sixth tournament win. Mark, you want to put a bow on that? Um, I'm saving him for a different event. Um, there, there, there's another course that's just a little bit down the track that that he is just as good at, and and I think you that's know in, it well. Uh, that's into the season where he's going to have enough competition. And, and the body will be sort of ripe and ready and, and he'll have all the feels to use the Tiger Woods thing and the, the trash will be worked out and, and, and those Poanio greens for me are, are, are a lottery at times. And so you get Tiger on those, uh, those champions Bermudas and then he becomes a deal. So uh, I think he plays well. Um, but I'm going to save him for later on in the season. Yeah, Is that TPC deer run? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, actually you guys know what I'm talking about. Come on. Yeah, of course I'm we talking do. talking about Bay Hill, right? Run. No, it's Bay <laughs> Hill. And so I, I'm, 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 I'm lining Woods up for that, but I might zag when you guys zig now that I've let the cat out of the bag. To use oh, Carlson. man. See, this is the interesting thing. We're not supposed to really know who everybody's going to pick. Nobody's supposed to get an advantage. But here we are weeks in advance already deciding our, our pick. So we'll see if anybody holds true to it. But, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. That's all we have here for the first cut. Uh, but next week is a, is a big week. So we'll be looking forward to that down there at the PGA merchandise show, uh, seeing you two guys in action together. I know that'll be entertaining. So, uh, but I want to thank you all so much for listening. Kyle Porter, you can get him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS and you can get Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman and I'm Greg Ducharme. Real, real quick, we, we forgot something. What's that? What did we forget? We forgot the John Smoltz stand-up putter. Man, I gotta the get John, one of those. Kyle, oh, you're right. That's the first stop you and I are making is at that booth because I want to get one of those things. <laughs> what, what do you think, Mark? Is that a real? Are you going to advise your, any of your players are to you, use that come thing? Come on, Greg, you're a good golf instructor. Uh, you can l- set this thing down on the ground, step behind it, it stands by itself. You can line it up. I mean, come on now, gee whiz. Yeah, I'm getting one of these things. Uh, I think I think they're awesome. Uh, Ernie else was using a version of it. Um, for a while last year, and he was raving about the thing. So uh, if it's good for Ernie, it's good for me. Yeah, hey, well, you know, it was so interesting is Kyle uh, – or I'm sorry, um, Andrew Landry was lining up his putter on one of the holes out there late in the round. I think it was on 18. I saw, he's I standing, saw that. I yep, saw that. he's just got a coin there, and I'm thinking to myself, the the uh, this new stand-up putter, you stand it alone, you put the putter down first, get it aimed, and then you put the ball down, and then you go. It's a whole new routine we're going to be seeing. So it, that's really, really something else to see.
Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just it, it, that was really funny. No, you're right. I mean, it's classic. I I, <laughs> I I would not be surprised. PGA Tour players will try anything. Late so, next I, week, you're gonna see both Kyle Porter and I with one in the bag. Promise you. Yeah, maybe maybe Tiger at Tory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's all we have for you tonight. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed. And, hey, if you did enjoy, make sure you jump onto iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a little review and a five-star rating. It would be much appreciated. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.